that's all we got. Welcome back to episode number four what? or five huh? of Three Guys, real? One Couch. What? I can't tell if you're doing it. Hello? This is the special stream of consciousness episode where we really don't have anything planned. It's about Who is this? 12.30 on a Friday night. And we just got some guys on the couch playing Fall Guys. Can we incorporate incorporate the Fall Guys theme song into this somehow? Of course, that's that's what's going to start, and then we're going to name this episode Three Fall Guys, One Couch. So PSA to the lead, uh, Fall Guys, great new game. If you don't have it, you should download it. It's free on PS4 this month. It's Hot Fire. There's no downside to getting it. I'm going to start by reading Merrill, all of Merrill Kelly's starts. <laughs> just all of his lines. So dating we back to when he was in Japan. Whether he was legit. That's what we were doing. And I don't really think he's legit. It doesn't look like he's legit. But go for it. So I'm just going to do it from a points perspective, just for our league. I'm just going to go for a little bit. And let's look at his last starts in the 2019 season. Eight points. That's eh, all right, Merrill Kelly. They had seven strikeouts, but you did eight hits and five earned runs. Oh, that whip. But the run right before that, he got 30 points. 30 points. And then right before that, 26 points. Yeah, and then right. right before that, a seven. But then right before that, 30. And then three. And then negative nine. And then it's just trash for a long time. The worst start he had was one negative four. Oh, he had a, he had a couple pretty shitty starts. For sure. But that's not this um, year. That's from last year. Right? That's last year. But the but the point being that he, regardless of like whether his underlying metrics are trash, he comes through. He comes through kind of about half of the time. It looks like you know. Isn't that Merrill? Isn't that all of these shitty guys? There's I some. Mean, there's some guys who just you know manage to wipe off enough. Enough crapola that they they come out looking like a little diamond, little they're, diamond in the rough. They're not using Scott's one ply. <laughs> no, they they they're doing some uh, some Charmin, Charmin Ultra. So like when the pandemic was just starting out, my dad was obsessed with buying as much toilet paper as possible, and so, so was everybody. In, yeah. In that obsession, though, we got toilet paper of all kinds, and some of that toilet oh. paper was Scott's one ply for whatever reason. And so at some point over the past couple months, we've had to use Scott's one ply. And it just brings me back to being in Mountain View in college. And it's the worst. It, like, why would anybody, does anybody buy that out of their own will? Yeah, one ply sounds a little, we, I think we get Scott, but it's not, it's not, it's not the thin. It's not, I just start to thin. <laughs> That's actually my favorite of the The Charmin's too much. The Charmin is like you a, You don't need like a, like a towel. But yeah, like, that's some of that Charmin stuff. Some of the other brands, you can, and then, you know, not going to name names, but his initials are GH, and he lives in this house, and he's my father, and he's, <laughs> he's clogged up the toilet. Uh, yeah. Quite a few times he was in some of that, that Charmin, that Charmin stuff. Carla um, has clogged the toilet in my basement so many times, I can't even tell you, because she wraps her hand in toilet paper like five go-arounds for each fucking wipe. You know her whole process? Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. Dude, there's no... She's picked the lock when I've been taking a shit before. She's literally gotten a hairpin <laughs> picked the lock. There's no privacy in this What? What's the end goal? What happens after you pick the lock? Just Do you walk in? 
she, oh yeah, she'll come into the bathroom and like just like stand there, stare and at talk. you. Yeah, yeah. It's she has mad pictures of me. I mean, I have it, pictures of her. Is is it not a little a little stinky? Honestly, my shits aren't that bad. I'm not gonna lie. I'm yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty nice. I've lived no. with you for four years. They're not that bad. It's. I'd say you're an inconsistent shitter. You gotta be honest. It's not that bad, right? I'm not. Not that stinky. I can't say I've ever remember smelling it. I mean, you're like actually the gassiest person I I know in my life. I know. I I agree with that. So I appreciate. That's our, you know. That's our analysis of Merrill Kelly. <laughs> a little more interesting than Merrill Kelly. We were talking about Scott. Do you guys name yeah. any baseball players with the name Scott? Scott Rowland. Frankie. Um, Boom, I win. You go. You go next. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to do a little, little search. <laughs> Frankie's like, Scott Garfunkel, who played for the Chicago White Stockings back in 1912. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, you remember Scott Spezio? He's like the third baseman on the Mariners and the Cardinals for a while. I think he dyed his goatee red at one point. Really? I'm pretty sure he did. I would have thought you would have said Scott Kingery because you loved him. Ah, Scott Kingery. Frankie does love Scott Kingery. Now you can't say him. Well, you know, I just did a quick little search. We got got Scott Oberg. You know, I'm I'm the Colorado Rockies. No, I got a good one. Um, I got a good one. Scott Casimir. Remember Scott Casimir? Wait, guys. We can still pick him up in our league. Jeff loved Scott Casimir back in the day. I mean, for what? His three starts a year when he was healthy? I just remember him always having Scott Casimir. Do a quick Google search. You're not going to regret this. Do a quick Google search of Scott Spezio. I'm doing it right now. I'm already there. Oh, yeah, this is bad. And look at this Great. goatee. That's horrible. You got to describe it for the people at home. It's like a, it's like it's a little red, and it's a little landing strip. Yeah, yeah. And the guy could not be on a more perfect team. It looks like the what's that called? The gizzard, the thing <laughs> that just hangs from the the, the rooster. It made his chin look like an actual vagina. <laughs> this is a dirty one. This the, is a the mouth would be the vagina though. There's one of him. Can we, can we add bleeps? Wait. To anything that sounds like a curse or a bad word just throughout the episode, it would be a little bit of an editing job. I mean, if you want to go would... through it, since we're not writing high lows anymore, then feel free. <laughs> now that I have all the time in the world. <laughs> just not... not getting sponsored by PBS anytime soon. So. What about, uh, what about Luke Scott? You guys remember Luke <laughs> Scott on the Orioles? Who? Luke Scott. Sounds no. kind of familiar. Scott Shebler on the Reds. Oh yeah, Scott Shebler. I don't remember any of this. He's still playing, isn't he? Or no. not this year? I don't know because Jesse Winker has a firm hold on the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> is that what is that what Scott Shebler's most recent blurb says? <laughs> I mean, Winker has like five home runs in five days right now. Can I can I read you Scott Casimir's uh, news blurb from February eighteenth? What happened? To of, uh, of what Kazmier- year? 
That's the that's the question. Let me <laughs> let me look deeper at the news. It's it's February eighteenth of this year. God. So someone someone had Scott Casimir somewhere and saw that red notification come up on February eighteenth, twenty twenty. Casimir will throw for multiple teams this week as he pursues a big league comeback. Buster what? only reports. Oh, this is depressing. The 36-year-old lefty hasn't appeared in the majors since 2016 and has been out of affiliated ball entirely the past two seasons. Pazmir said in January that his fastball clocked at just over 90 miles per hour during his workouts, probably like once, That's which is roughly fair. on par with the velocity he sported during his most recent MLB action. Honestly? But, but how many times did he throw? <laughs> if Scott Casimir gets signed to a team, I will pick him up. I will give okay. Scott Casimir. Okay. Oh, we got we got it on the record now. Now you were talking about Jesse Winker, which is actually an interesting transition because Ben Horowitz had some waiver activity for the first time in 15 years this past this <laughs> Sunday or this Wednesday, whatever. Just past Wednesday, and he picked up. Who did he pick up? Who did he pick up, boys? Drum roll. The thick neck daddy himself has reunited. <laughs> now, from your from your perspective, was Calhoun worth the pickup? Uh, yeah, he's killing it. He's yeah. he's a monster. I looked at him, but then I just thought to myself, like, you know, this is wrong. I, I can't push this button. This is wrong. So far, it still it still sounds like you're just talking about his physical appearance, just the thick neck. <laughs> monster but he's actually been he's been, he's he's been, been raking no he's been raking for the for the D-backs is this but I think everybody has agreed not to pick him up which is nice oh man yeah I mean that's all that's all that's all Ben it's kind of a gentleman's agreement in that nah dude but, it's, it's pretty much everyone except for Eric Eric will slit your throat in a second <laughs> true true did you want to wake him did you want to wake sleeping beauty he's sleeping he's sleeping <laughs> if he wakes up uh, he'll come on but Go tickle his butthole. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But it's a... Uh, is this self-fulfilling prophecy now that when Cole Calhoun is not on Ben's team, he'll be good, and so he'll catch the eye of Ben? It's like when you break up with a girl, and she loses 20 pounds, and all of a sudden she looks really good again. Like, when Ben breaks up with Cole Calhoun, now he's like, all right, now I have to focus because my lover is kind of scorned. Maybe. I think he feels it. Do you know he's going to gain 50 pounds now? Probably. All in his neck? Probably. Because <laughs> Ben's all he about He didn't even it. play tonight. <laughs> he, just, because he just dipped when salsa dancing. I mean, at some point you get complacent, right? Yeah. You're happy with the relationship. It's going well. You're not really looking for a trade or for anyone else to pick you up. So, uh, you know, you just eat a couple of extra apple pies. And, and Ben's got, a couple extra, as opposed to the two that he always eats. Ben's got those manly hands, you know? So he's going to feel small as Ben holds him every night. It's not like he's going to realize he's been packing on the pounds. That's true. One day they're just going to retire and just go chop wood in the forest together. Can, Sounds can, like a good Can I get that estimated... That was the most manly hand thing I could think. Can I get estimated percentages that Ben has made it this far into the podcast that he's heard this reference? I think there's what? Um, I think five percent. Because anything is possible. Zero point zero 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 zero. You can edit out a bunch of these zeros. Zero 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 one percent. Maybe. I'm gonna go a throwback to Sal Santoro. Was it negative seven? 
Is it negative seven? Oh. Better times. I don't know if we have the time to explain that reference. No. Is that a, is that an MIFPL deep cut? No. no, that's that's no, that's a high school deep that's cut. I remember that cut. guy. Okay. I never met that guy. I saw a picture of him. He looked like Indiana Jones in the last movie. Speaking of negative seven, Steven Strasberg has negative seven points on the year. Not looking so hot. That's just one start, though, isn't it? Or two? I think it's two. It's two. Oh. How do you guys feel about that? Would you be worried? I mean, it's Strasburg. Like, he's always got that little red flag. Uh, do I want what him was for this year? Again? This year? He, he, had a, he couldn't feel his fingers. Apparently, <laughs> he was tonight with an apparent injury. Yeah, I just saw. Yeah, uh, I'm scared of anyone who gets hurt this year, especially when it's a pitcher who can't feel his fingers. Like, maybe I'll come back in next year. But like for the. Like, honestly, like, we have like four weeks left until playoffs. Like, do I want someone who's hurt right now? No. Yeah. Stan strand his hammy. He's going to miss, like, the rest of the season. I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> like he's out for three weeks. Oh, okay, cool. And they said it was like a grade one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck does yeah. that mean? What is yeah. that one? <laughs> Feeling a light, too. It's, uh... Yeah, I mean, look, we can tell Ben we're just talking about his entire team and go through the whole roster. So, Strasburg, how do you guys feel about Walker Bueller this year? <laughs> this was not the year for Walker Bueller. I, mean, I feel like every year I look at Ben's team and I like it, but then something derails it midseason, whether that's, I mean, RIP to Tyler Skaggs last year, but maybe Ben would have won the whole thing if Tyler Skaggs <laughs> didn't pass away. <laughs> just instantly go to fucking Skaggs. I mean, Justin, more than anybody, brings up dead or sick fantasy players. Like, like real sick. Like, like Trey Mancini, Mancini was mentioned last night. Mancini! Mancini. I'm Mancini a true bro. Italian. Like, it's a fiat. How do you pronounce manicotti? No. no. We're not going back there. Now he's making too many inside inside uh, cuts. This is inside baseball. Um, I'm not sure if you guys can hear it through the air conditioner in my room, but people are always driving on motorcycles late at night, like as fast as they can go. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was actually Lewis just sitting at his fast. computer, pressing the motorcycle sound. <laughs> then the Fall Guys music just. <laughs> <laughs> well, good podcast. Let's yeah, shit, no, let's shit on Danielson. Let's go shit on Danielson. Okay. No, no, no. We need to go shit on Danielson. Like, well, how, did, how did Sonny Gray do? Because then we can shit on him. Sonny Gray's Sonny... dick, and he's still doing well. But I can't wait for the day where Sonny Gray just stops being good. Oh, it's yeah. going to happen. And maybe, maybe not in this, this year that doesn't count, this gimpy little year. Maybe next year when Daniel takes him in the third. But um, That's it's gonna, going to happen. Can we, can we talk about this year? And like, Can we talk about everyone's feelings about what this year should and shouldn't count as? Um, so this year should count as, like, it should be more than nothing, right? Like, if you win this year, it is better than if you didn't win this year. But at the same time, like, you need three of these years to be one of the, you know, it's a 60-game season. That's my thoughts. Frankie, how do you feel? Um, 
As someone well, who's currently I, 22 and 0, my, how do you feel? Now that I, yeah, now that I've had my first week where I'm not doing so hot, you know, I think we can just chalk this up as just like a fun <laughs> exercise, you know. Frankie's like this year still counts, but this week doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I'm cool with that. But we can just count the second half of this week, you know, if that's if that's cool with you guys. You mean tonight? <laughs> or just tonight? Well, yeah. Plus you, Darvish. The tonight plus you, Darvish. That sounds good. Everything. That's, that's adjusted. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a new era. <laughs> that was the most significant thing to happen since. Uh, Jesus was born. So, Dinelson Lamette. Wait, 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 no. That, that was a complete avoidance of the question. Frankie, how do you feel about this year? Frankie loves Honestly, it. He's 24 and Of course I love it. So, I'm, so whatever I say is just going to be interpreted as bias. But I thought from the beginning that it should still count as a year. But if, you they're gonna count, if they're going to count it as a World Series for, for whoever wins you know, in, in real life, let's just count this shit. Are He's got the stank face on, but... Is a World Series, though? Like, that's the question. Well, they are, like, statistically. That's all I'm saying. Like, we can all we can all be bitter about it and all just be like, ah, oh, like, that's the year that X person won or whatever. But, like, they won. But statistically, is that what you're concerned about? Is that what glory is premised on? Technical well, statistics? Then I'll, just do, I'll just do a repeat. If you win next year, dude, I'll give you all the praise in the world. If you win this year, I will give you one-third of the amount of praise I would give you otherwise. So, like, is that just, like, less less time to say it? Or is that just, like, you stop the sentence a third through? I think it means that, like, one-third of the time, I'm like, you won, good job. And the other two-thirds of the time, I'm like, that shit did not shit about it, yeah. The gimp year. Here's an interesting there. debate. Does the winner of this year count more or less... Than Eric tying but losing in the finals in year, I think it was two. Less. This year counts less than someone who lost in the finals? In my opinion, yeah. Because Eric tied you and lost well, Eric, super Eric lost. Eric lost in the finals. But see, that's he's doing the statistic stuff. That's what I mean by statistically. Like if it's gonna if it's like if that's how the system is interpreting it, the way we set it up. Like, but at least you know, in that situation, like you guys had the same score. You could argue that Eric had a .5 win there, right? Like, it's harder to say that he had a full win because he lost on the technicality. I mean, not I by the rules. Like, what would happen if that was in the semifinals? The higher seed moves on. Like, that's just how it works in the playoffs. You can't have both seeds move on. It's still, though, it was the final, you know? Like, and I, I'm with you. You won that year. But I think Eric doing that for a whole season, and then literally having the highest points in the finals. That should count for for probably more than somebody winning a 60-game season. And we don't count that as a win. Yeah, I know. So I'm totally down not to count this year as a win. If that's what you're getting at, I'm with you, man. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, based on previous logic and the precedence that we've set in the court of NYFBL law, well, how does this year end up? Well, I'm not the judge. I can argue my ass off, man, but I'm not. It should have been decided before the season, man. Now everyone's too biased. No. I mean, everybody said what how they honestly felt, even though it was a joke, which is, fuck, this year doesn't count unless I win, which is the most true statement anybody could have said, right? Because, like, if you're winning, you want this year to count. And if you're losing, you don't want it to count. 
Well, it wouldn't matter about the not counting if you're not, in my opinion, for me, if I wasn't doing poorly, because it's just like then the next year we start over. You know what I mean? Like it's just fresh every year. It's not like we look back and we go like, you know, I mean, we can look back at winning, of course, but like, That's you true. know, looking back at like I did shitty. like okay. I think it's a sore subject for me, Justin, Jeff. I don't know if Jim gives a shit or Eric if he gives a shit. But for me and Justin, because for like, someone to join the whole, the the yeah, annals, because of, of the glory, yeah. And it's just like I don't think I'm putting the Hall of Fame title on somebody just because they won this year. You know, it's like Barry Bonds. I think it's especially tough for Lewis because, you know, this is his championship follow-up season. Like, does is does his back-to-back get interrupted by this year? Let's say he wins last year and then he wins next year. Does he have two in a row or does he not? I personally would not say that I won two in a row if that happens. it would. I mean, it's like, it's hard to say that, you know? And you should have just saved that video for next year. I told him we could. I told him we could have done that before the before the draft. I also said we could have just not shown it, you know? That was a pre-COVID video, okay. right? Yeah, of course. So you should have edited for Wells' presence in the, uh, in the draft. What if somebody, what if it changed? What if uh, what if we had a different league comp? Somebody would have just like, and you know, Jeremy wasn't there to hear it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, he can watch it. Justin uploaded it. Yeah. I told him that I was gonna fill him up like a balloon. It's actually one of my favorite lines. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? Is there is there a backstory with filling Jeremy Manheim up with a balloon? No, not I think at all. he just had like a like a like a text generator for the league. No, you know, the I was FX sitting here doing my best Will Ferrell impression. I was in my basement. I looked to my right and saw my brother's basketball pump. And I was like, fuck it. I'm using this on the next one. Who we got? Jeremy. Jeremy's next up. And I sat there and I just told him I was going to fill him up like a balloon. <laughs> How many takes were there? A lot of takes? You, you had a few um, different things you were trying out for people? There weren't that many. There were like a couple of them probably took like two or three. I don't think any of them took more than three. I want to see the blooper reel. <laughs> Maddie probably has it on his camera. Post-COVID. Well, whoever wins this year has to follow that up and do their own video next year. That's going oh, to be a thing now. Yes. After they write their first blog post and join their first uh, podcast session. Yeah, it'll uh, happen. We'll get people on. I mean, we, we film these at such convenient times. You know, I feel like... <laughs> what are you guys doing? No, I really want to shit on Daniel's team. Because I know Daniel listens to these, and fuck you, Daniel. So let's shit on his team. <laughs> First off... Imagine, what an attack. He's just sitting there listening to this. I mean, yeah, I, Daniel, Daniel, fuck you, Daniel. Alright, so. I still think there are four top teams in the league. That's Daniel, Frankie, yes. Eric... And now. Mike. This is not the energy in I want. Any order. And by Mike I mean Galembo. I'm sorry, Hogbro. I loved your draft, but it's not working out so far. And those are the, this, this week. Those are the top four teams in my opinion. This is the Gimp week. <laughs> I hope that all four make the finals and may the best man win. So then let me ask you, do you still think pitching reigns supreme? Because that's no, no kind I of don't. We were, I've never we thought that. I've never thought that. Pitching. But those they're all pitching dominant. Yes, because we look at back at the year and we say, oh, all the best teams had the best pitching. 
And fuck yes, that's always true. Because to have a good team, you have to have good pitching, but you also have to have good hitting. Right, but here's the big question, right? So that's obvious. But the best pitchers are not always the ones that are drafted highest. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, but I just for those of you listening, Justin ripped off his shirt while he was saying this, started beating his chest, (laughs) and is sweating profusely. So just looking at Daniel's team for a second, right? Like he kind of followed a a blueprint that, you know, an innovative genius laid last year, right? I think we can all agree. <laughs> there was an Albert Einstein. The Blake Snell blueprint. A Ben Franklin of a thinker. And he went with this, you know, high floor, kind of not that expensive hitting, and this, what he thinks, top-tier pitching. He got the pitchers he felt were, you know, the best. And if you look at his team, I mean, like, he's got guys who are doing decent on as hitters. And a lot of these guys, like Brandon Nimmo, right, T. Oscar Hernandez, Jacoby Jones, right, like Trent Grisham, none of those guys are studs. And there's plenty of guys doing similarly as they are. Like, I have Anthony Santander is doing great right now. So that's the bigger question. It's like, yes, hit you need good hitting too, and maybe the best pitchers don't always perform the best, but – you probably have a better shot at having a decent pitching staff if you spend on pitching. And is the gap between me spending money on an Arenado versus, you know, a guy like picking up a, a random guy like Michael Franco, who might be serviceable, is that gap gonna gonna outweigh the difference between streaming pitchers? A guy like on my team, I've got Chris Bassett. Imagine if instead I spent my Arenado money on Shane Bieber. Okay, sure, but you cherry picked the best pitcher for that price. Sure, but even if I had even if I had spent it on like a Chris Paddock, who had a bad start recently, like it's still on on more weeks than not, or like a Zach Greinke, more weeks than not, they're not going to hurt my team. But Chris Bassett has been really good. Yeah, yeah, he has been. But like I don't know, other guys like John Gray have not been good. No, but that was like that was a bad pick. Thanks. And like I say that as the biggest John Gray fan, you know that. I'm I'm having I'm, like a I hard time getting the point across, but I feel like there's a higher margin for error when you when you guess on late round pitching. And even though there are obviously gems like Savali, a guy that we were all pretty decent on before the season, like is doing well, there's also guys like a John Gray who just completely missed the mark. And I don't know. I'm like I still don't know the answer to it. Cuz like Arenado started doing well, right? So I feel good about that pick. But Devers sucks ass, right? So there's still risk in the, the top tier hitters. Well, it's like, yeah, with I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I like what your point is, uh, and I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, we could we could probably analyze it to death or something, you know, based on past years, whatever, past team comps. But like, I think that that was definitely the move this year. Like and probably every year, but in a way this year more so. You know, I think that's how you started this this part of the discussion. In that, like, that's even more under the the magnifying glass in the sense that, like, with with the shortened season, you just secure some pitchers that you think are going to be like safe, like your rocks and stuff. And then, and then if those work out, obviously it's a big if. But you have that, and then with hitting. You can just have that mix of, like you said, the guys who have the high floor, and you probably have like half a team, if even, of guys like that, and then just ride the hot hand for all the hitters. Like the guy, like half of the guys you mentioned for Daniels are like 
whether I mean maybe Daniel drafted Trent Grisham or whoever, but no, he like, didn't. I drafted Trent like, Grisham. Uh, Thank you. Daniel picked go. him up. They're but yeah, hot the waiver wire pickups. Yeah, they're like. Round like guys. late round guys and hot and and popular waiver wire pickups in most league like him. Who else did you mention? Uh, Jacoby Jones is like one of the most at, him and like Donovan Solano and uh, um, who is who is that? Um, there's someone else, like there's a like obviously there's a few guys who were just like uh, you know the the people out of nowhere who were like the top hitters this year just because yeah, I mean, of like I have Yastrzemski who like did decently last year but he's he's killing right, it right. Not yeah, exactly. Not See, not as random, but definitely a good another like, example. Like I spent, one, I spent with JD Martinez, right? A guy who's traditionally been pretty safe and like pretty consistent, and he's gotten off to a slow start. So like he hasn't been horrible, but like okay, like anybody can get off to a slow start. But even still, is it is it still worth it to gamble on hitting? Like, is it still worth it to spend the majority of your to throw the majority of your darts at hitters, knowing that like some will hit and some will fall, is it better to do that than it is for pitchers? Because I feel like it's easier to replace the missed darts for hitters because right. there's so that's, many that, hitters that's that, the that pop up every year. Like Arenado, you just said, is comparable to a million other guys in the league right now. You know, it's harder to, you know... It's it's easier to like if that's not working out, then it's just like yeah, shit. I spent like a ton of money on a guy that just matches a million other profiles out there. But with pitching, I feel like because the floor can give out so much more with pitching, then you know you 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 have guys who if they're sucking for pitching, it's like um, you know they they can there are a few of them that can just completely uh, you know ruin your week. Or ruin, you know, at least for you for a few days or something. Whereas hitting, you know, it's like pretty much impossible. I mean, there's obviously the lack of productivity. It can happen. I mean, like, I still am not totally convinced of it. But I, like, I feel like the fact that at least this year so far, it looks like pitching has been dominant. And maybe that's because there wasn't a lot of time warming up. But this year so far, I feel like the strongest teams have been pitching heavy. That's every year, though. Like, the teams that are going to have the best record are going to be the ones with the best pitchers. But it's not going to be the ones who necessarily spent the most money or the highest draft capital on those pitchers. If you look at at Daniel's team, Daniel, I don't think, is in first place or has a great pitching staff because he has Garrett Cole. Right? Garrett Cole is doing well. He's not part of it. He's, he's not number one, league, but the reason why Daniel's doing well is because he spent $18 on Sonny Gray instead of on Matt Boyd. The reason Daniel's pitching is doing so well is because he spent $10 on Denilson Lamette instead of someone else who went for $10, some Joe Schmo who got put up to $10. Like, that that's the point. reason why Daniel's pitching is doing so well. It's, it's, it's important to have the top guys, but, like, pitching is is so much more volatile as well. And like but is, is your point that he got lucky doing that or No, that he, I don't or know. That Daniel may have targeted those guys. If if he just ended up with them in his lap then sure he got lucky. But like he may have targeted those guys. Like I targeted Dylan Bundy this year and he's the only reason why my pitching staff is any fucking good because Justin Verlander so happened to get hurt. And pitchers do get hurt much more than hitters. Like if you spend higher draft capital on pitchers, you're going to more likely run into more injury risk. So, Justin, let me ask you this, because coincidentally, he spent the same amount on Giolito. He spent $29. 
as I did on J.D. Martinez. Mm -hmm. So this year, right now, who would you rather have, Giolito or Martinez, both of who are underperforming? It depends on what your team looks like. Like, if, if you're just saying... Does it actually depend? I or think is it does. just always going to be Giolito? I don't yeah, because Wednesday just always though. be like, oh, I'd like another, uh, I'd like, you know, if you knew his, his stats, which are not, which he's underperforming, but he hasn't been that bad, albeit for the first start, so you're just like, I'd rather have a solid nudge. I, the next, pretty good. I, the point then, it's like you're asking, like, wouldn't you, you're like, wouldn't you saying most people would just say, I'd rather have a, a solid pitcher, you know, or in that situation. It's, like, it's, a compli it's super complicated. There's so many things that go into it, but... One thing I'm sure of is that it's a lot less stressful to manage a team that has a better floor with pitching than a better floor with hitting. It's way right. less. But ask Michael Hogg, bro. I mean, let's look at his team. Let's pull his team up. I mean, I I thought coming out of the draft, he had the best pitching staff. Agreed. Yeah, I That was my opinion. All. Now, could I have been wrong? Sure. But he, outside of Daniel, and Daniel did spend the most money on pitching— Hogbro spent the second most, and it was pretty close. But if you look at Hogbro's team, like even though some of his pitchers have underperformed, it still feels better to have this staff than looking at a different staff full of streamers who might be doing decent week to week. Because you have more faith that Clayton Kershaw is going to have a good start. Like sometime with the next three starts, Clayton Kershaw is going to have a nice start. Right, that, like, that's the thing right there. That's the like the the, the next three starts part. Not to, not to cut you off, uh, um, but just like this, the, because of the season is so short. Like obviously, I, I I'd look at this and just and feel better. Maybe there's no point of this, but I feel better looking at this and, and feeling that there was a lot of the season left to go. But with stuff like oh, Kershaw could get hurt again. Kershaw could do, you know, and like people like and him and Paxton who were a huge injury risk a lot of the time. Like I guess I'm just trying to say that I'd feel better with with more time left, but now I just probably wouldn't feel sure. as I'm, comfortable as anybody, or comfortable, or more comfortable, or less comfortable than anybody else. Or, to you know, your point, point, Lewis, on Giolito versus JD Martinez, I think a lot of it comes down to risk profile and what you're willing to take on and what your team makeup looks like. I think Giolito for the fact of A, being a pitcher, and B, really only having one good season under his belt, is a much more risky pick. I think there's a higher ceiling. I think there's also a much lower floor. So it really comes down to your risk profile and how much risk you're willing to put on your team. I mean, JD has 46.5 points. Giolito has 47 points. They're a half a point within each other. It's like a perfect comparison right now. Mm -hmm. Who would you rather have? On my team, right now, I'd rather have Giolito, but that's because I have four outfielders that I feel comfortable starting. But what if I'm starting about, fresh... What about Michael Hogbro or uh, Daniel, who both have strong pitching staffs? Do you, do you think either of them would answer J.D. Martinez? And I'm curious if either of them listen to this and want to like share, I would love to hear it. Because my guess is they both say Giolito easy, because you can always improve your pitching staff. If I'm Hogbro, I'd probably take J.D. Martinez. I'm very curious to hear if he listens, if, if that's the case. Because in my opinion, it's way easier to just click the players button, sort by who's averaging a lot of points, narrow it down to outfield, find yep. Santander, like I did a couple weeks ago, pick him up, 
And I mean, like, Frank, you keep bringing up small, small season, small sample size. Like, I put out an article last year that, like, kind of, like, broke things down into, like, a, a meta game. And there's, like, long-term, like, analysis and short-term analysis. And this year, it just so happens that they're the same. Like, short-term analysis is long-term analysis this year. So, like, maybe this isn't the best year to have this be an example. Because, like, if Santander were to fizzle out after, you know, 70 games, like, and, and score jack shit the rest of the season, then, yeah, maybe it's a, a horrible but then, But then that, that happens, and, and then all you have to do is go, all right, exactly. well, he's done. I can either hold on to him because we have such a deep line of uh, such a deep uh, roster. You can just hold on to him or just drop him, and you wouldn't feel that bad. And Whereas you're not going to be like, ah, you know, like Santander might blow up. Again, it's always possible. Like maybe go get him again, but there's, you just like filter, you find all the guys. Yeah. Like you can always ride short-term hot streaks for both for both hitters and pitchers. But I think for pitchers, you have to stream matchups. You have to look at who they're playing, and that that's like the majority of the analysis. When isn't you're, that when you're, easier to stream then though? Because not only can you pick up a good pitcher or someone who's not the hot. That's why our league works with pickups. But why not? Why can't but, you pick up someone who a pitcher who's hot or someone who's facing the Pirates? Who's not named Anthony there's Bishop so Fine. many pitchers who are owned. So if you look at the pitchers right. available, it, you're really, really going at P six on a real major league team. Like their last pitcher, a spot starter, and and you're hoping that they do well. And sometimes you look at a team like the Dodgers; they have like they have like 15 guys on their team who would all be great pitchers if they got the chance. So yeah, you could do stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of the time you'll end up. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel great to have to pick up a guy who's the last, the last guy in the rotation on a team, who's going against, let's say, like I don't know, the Royals, and and then you look at the game and like I don't know, your pitcher could just be off. Like maybe he's just a bad pitcher. Maybe he goes up against a team that should be weak, but they just hit a bunch of singles. Right? It, it could happen. But for hitters, I feel like there's way more of them who are catching catching a hot streak at any given time. Like, last year when I was looking at hitters, I always found that there was, like, at least, like, you know, three to five guys I would have been super happy picking up. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did add more hitter slots to the teams. So waivers this year are slightly thinner for hitters than they have been in years past. Um, I, I agree. Look, we need more hitters. And also, more hitters play on a given night in the MLB, right? Every lineup has nine hitters now with the DH. And there are only thirty pitchers every single night. Yep. And that's that's expecting the Cardinals to play, and the Cardinals aren't even playing. So there are really twenty-eight pitchers every single night now. I don't know. I still don't know the answer, and I'm I'm always going to be curious about it because you can't really compare them one to one. But I do think in the JD Giolito example, every team in the league is taking Giolito, and it's just because the fact that he can have twenty-point games like fifty percent of the time, even is nicer than, than J.D. Martinez, who might score, you know, anywhere from two to four points a game. Right. You could, could replace him with, you could replace him easier with just hitters who are hot, who are scoring, you know, like, any anybody that's on fire can be scoring six points a night for a two-week stretch. Like, Tommy... And because, Ed- we, made, and because we made the hitters, the hitter um, pool, or, you know, the amount of hitters we could have stretch even further, you know, you just... And hold on to J.D. Martinez for a little bit and not feel bad, like I was trying to say about Santander before, and then just go get whoever is his better replacement at the moment. If, you feel, if you're if you holding on to a pitcher, 
it burn it, it burns. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times for various reasons it just hurts to, you know, hold on to a guy who you think might get better or something, or you're like, Well, he's got the name brand, this and that. Whereas a hitter, you're just like, Alright, he's slumping, I can just bench him for a little bit. But that sounds like you're supporting the other way. Like based on what you're saying there. Is that like because with that in mind, then it sounds better to have JD. Because if he's doing bad, you could put him on the bench, fill in somebody else. But if Giolito's slumping, then you like get into this Matt Boyd situation that you just had. All right, I guess. I guess. Which is interesting. Like I don't know. Maybe, maybe the answer is JD Martinez. But I'm really curious, and I feel like most people would say Giolito. I don't think there is a right answer or a wrong answer. I think it really depends on team makeup and risk profile because yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to see it from both sides because Justin is you know being not not passionate one way because he's you know being adamant about not being too confident about no, either. I, I like I love that Justin so willing to consider the other side because the majority of the league I think is convinced at this point that pitching is right. The, and that's a definite. That that part of the argument, I think, is a definite. That most people would say Giolito, like that's that's a no doubter there. But we can see what people say in the slack. I'm not saying because that's the right answer or that, yeah, just because that's the way I think all our minds still work, despite the changes that we try to make. Because you you hit the nail on the head. It's way less stressful. At least from the perspective we all, it's kind of been ingrained for a lot of us. It's just way less stressful with pitching. You know, and if your pitching is pretty set. Also, if like, so I feel like a big part of the the argument you're saying, Justin, is that like, there's a lot of risk with drafting pitching, and drafting hitting is, is probably a lot safer. But at the same time, you're willing to admit that every year the best teams have the best pitching. Right. So... In that sense, if you want to compete, isn't it still best to try to just get pitchers? Because somebody will end up with Lamette, Montes, Sonny Gray, and Garrett Cole. And in that case, you're sitting pretty. And if you don't, well, I mean, then there's always next year. But if you if you didn't even try in the first place, it's not like you were going to be that, that team anyway. So you're almost in the same boat. Maybe a little better because some of your pitchers might end up working out. Maybe you have... Like, I look at Hogbro's team, and I do see a ton of potential. I like Kershaw a lot. I mean, Clevenger was an idiot, but I, I love Clev. I think he's one of the best pitchers. He's got Woodruff. He's got Maeda, who's finally, like, you know, coming into his own because he's getting the opportunity. Right there, that's four stud pitchers. Yeah. Um, and and even then, Paxton. Paxton has potential. He's on an amazing team. Like, he's shown elite stuff. And his last start was, yeah, was I good. I didn't even mention Granky. Granky's like been so consistent again. But then why why is it led to seven wins in two weeks? It might be because he's done a really bad job managing his hitting. Instead of going out and picking up the guys on hockey, like you do need hitting. I'm not saying you don't, but I think it's so easy to go out. Like honestly, what what I think Mike should do is just go to the the waiver wire and sort by the hitters that are like on hot streaks and averaging a lot of points. And I think if he picks up a handful of them and doesn't hold on to players that he thought were hype sleepers, you know, like like a guy like Fran Mill Reyes. Like, you know, maybe Fran Mill Reyes doesn't have maybe he has it. I don't know. Or or a different guy, like a I don't know, Shogo, right? Shogo doesn't look like he's got it this year. Right, you're you're saying that and he does that and then most likely his pitching sorts out based on that right. you know, the amount of names there. 
Like if he drops Shogo, picks up a better outfielder, cool. Now he's now he's much better. Yeah, but it, it's not that easy. Just go out there, find a better out. Like that's it difficult to do. I don't think so. You can't just go sort by points, get the top guy, and be like, "Oh, now I'm going to have a better team." That's well, not how it have, works. You'll have a better week. You click them, and you see if look if you click a guy who's got a ton of points, and you see he had two games where he scored twenty. All right, yeah, that guy's not legit. He had two great games. But if you go down a couple and you see four, a guy five, seven, two, seven, one, five, four, four, three, like, all right, that guy looks like he's hitting the ball pretty well. So you pick him up, and he probably continues for a little bit. And a week later, you pick up somebody else. But why can't you, you do that with pitching, too? I, I find it a lot harder. Like, I've been trying to do it this year. I think I've done a decent job, actually, pulling my shit-tier rotation out of the dumpster. But even still, it's like... Right now I'm in a good spot this week, but I missed the Alex Mills start tonight because they changed them. Yeah, and but who that, do I have that's left? Poor I've management. Got, I've oh, got, you missed it. No, okay, well, Fantrax gave me the update at 6.06 for his fucking 8 o'clock game. And I was I went to go eat dinner. But um, I have like... Well, you know whose fault today. it was. It was my little cat with Oh, yeah, it was. He got scratched? Yeah. What happened to him? Uh, something with his back. Um, so that explains that minus 29, for sure. No doubt. He was so legit. There was nothing wrong with his pitching. But I have... Okay, so, like, I'm going to have to rely on John Gray, Adrian Hauser, and Garrett Richards, who could all do well, and they all could suck. And it doesn't feel great knowing that they're all probably going to give up a couple of runs. Some of them could give up more, and it's going to be up to, like, do they get the win? Do they get to go six innings? Does their defense make enough plays? Like, none of those guys are dominant power arms who are going to control the game for me, you know? So I've been doing my best, but it's it's a way more stressful time. Well, you have, in terms of points so far through whatever this is, I guess three full weeks, two and a half weeks in league talk, you have the seventh most points from pitching, despite... All your trouble, despite everything that's happened, despite having a shitty Charlie Morton and really nothing else behind that, you have the seventh most points in pitching. I think we can debunk that, though. And I think, not to be a dick, it's because other teams' pitching is just way worse and they're not even managing it. Like, is Nick Morano last on that list? No, he's not. Where is he? He's he's 10th. He's third to last. Okay. But Nick Morano is rostering six pitchers. But Nick Morano's ahead of the guy who has Walker Bueller. Well, let's look. Let's look at Ben's, look at Ben's rotation. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a, like a car crash. Oh. I told you, this is just the Ben episode. <laughs> we go, right. was ben, ben has Diwali, who's been good. But then he's got Odorizzi, who I, I guess has pitched one time this year. He's got zero points. Strasburg was hurt. He just picked up Walker, so I don't think he got those points. Bueller, yeah, Bueller was limited in the beginning, so that wasn't the best pick. Did he have Marco Gonzalez this whole time? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Okay, yeah. so got Marco, Heaney, Porcello. How many pitchers is that, though? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Strasburg was hurt. Odorizzi hasn't been pitching. He just got Tyler, uh, Taiwan Walker. Okay. So but- I had it down to five. Ben, ben, ben probably had the riskiest pitching draft. That I was in a normal snake draft, if you see a team that has Walker Bueller and Steven Strasburg in our league, 
And you're only assuming... has three other pitchers, though? Like, yeah, that's why. It's because he's had five pitchers on his team. No, Every he team. has other pitchers. Ooh, Homer Bailey and Jeff Samarja are in the Andrew IL. Andrew Heaney. Savali. Yeah, one of the five. He's got eight right now on his team, not counting the IL. But Strasburg's been hurt, so we're not going to count him. Oda Rizzi. Why are we not counting him? Because he's been holding on to a pitcher that hasn't pitched. But but the injury risk is needs to be built into taking pitchers early. Well, my you, point is that if he put Strasburg on the IL, he still has spots available, right? If he had put Strasburg on the IL and he picked up a streamer, if he picked up Chris Bassett or any of the other streamers out there, I think he would have been in a better in a better spot. But doesn't and, that mean then that you can pick up pitchers out there? I'm not saying you can't. It's just way harder. And I think that this is a bad example because the only reason – so you said like, oh, I'm, I'm showing that it can work. First off, like I've, I think I've done an okay job at least of, of like picking up streamers. It's hard though. It's not as easy as last year. And you're comparing me to teams below me. Like in my opinion, it looks like Ben has had five pitchers for these first two weeks going. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I'm not looking at every matchup. But it looks like he probably has had what, like six or seven starts a week? The first two, mm-hmm. and if that's why, then that's why his pitching points are so low. Nick Morano being tenth, he's got six of them. Well, yeah, we can't so, really talk about Nick. Nick spent money on Chris Sale. Who's the Who's the other team? Is it Nick Miller? Yeah, it's Nick Miller. All right, how many pitch? Nick Miller is like I remember from last year, him not having a lot of pitchers on his on his staff. Well, are you saying that it's just pure number of pitchers? Or yes, is it the quality yes. the of the pitchers that are on the team? The pitchers that they're throwing out every week is not as many as the other teams. Because the risk is still great with everything built in, but just throwing them out more often than not, you know, will probably, you know, result in you hard not to being 10 to 11. Like what did you say? It's also pretty hard to go negative in our league now. I've seen a lot of pitchers get hit. And right, right. You get five strikeouts, you go four innings. At worst, you're sitting at, what, like negative four, negative three? Yeah, negative three, yeah. But we haven't changed the pitching end up scoring. Fine. Like, Annabelle got hit a decent bit, the, like, a couple games ago. He got seven Ks, and I think he walked away with, like, five points. We haven't changed the pitching scoring, though. It's been the same no, for I, years. No, no. But I'm just saying that everyone says, let me invest in pitching. Let me, the, the, strategy, the, the strategy to we lead is... the loss amount. Uh, yeah, by one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the man. We did it. Daniel's like, I'm the best in the league because I've drafted the most pitching. But you look at a team like Ben where, look, he has Walker Bueller. He has Steven Strasburg. Those would be a first and a second round pick. And for all intents and purposes, that's going to be someone who prioritized drafting pitching above hitting in a normal snake draft. And for whatever reasons, either performance or injury or whatnot, it just hasn't worked out this year for his pitching staff. And, like, look, I tried to draft some pitching. I got Justin Verlander for 45 bucks, and I got fucked. But, like, I have the fourth most pitching points in the league. And I've also only had, like, nine or ten starts every week. From, I haven't reached 12 overall, starts. From an overall perspective, it almost sounds like that person doesn't prioritize pitching, if that makes sense. Like, they, that they're just like, let me... Let me lock in two guys first, and then now because I spent so much draft capital already on two pitchers, I have to go fill my team for hitting. At least would be, I think, the most likely way that that starts to follow in your head in terms of a draft plan. And then you miss out on all the middle 
you know, a lot of valuable middle pitchers. But I think that's part of the key that we've kind of hit in a little bit indirectly. Just like you want those, like it's better probably to have, have you know, three three pretty solid guys than, than two guys who have not just, who have well, one risk associated by where you're drafting them in terms of value uh, there. And then, um, you know, two guys that are just going to result, that you're going to get them, and then you just have to, if you want to win, start thinking about the next, the other side of the coin with hitting. I don't know. I think is the that, best that example, Justin, that we've, like, overlooked is uh, Jeff. Okay. Not Ben. Because Ben Ben has had not a lot of, like, quantity of pitchers. Ben has not had a lot of them. But now we're talking about Jeff who has Jack Flaherty. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. So this year kind of fucks it up. But I think you have a better shot of saying that Jeff is somebody that did prioritize pitching. And Jeff is typically someone that prioritized pitching. I'm not saying that the strategy is, is to just, you know, go balls to the wall with pitching. And obviously you can make it work with hitting. If you look at last year, Frankie's rotation wasn't great, but his hitting was ridiculous. And he made top three in the league. Mm-hmm. And your, your rotation wasn't amazing. It was solid. It was better than most. But your hitting was also amazing. And so, yeah, you can make it work. I'm not saying you can't. But I think if you don't spend – I don't know. I'm just speaking from this perspective because this is the first year where I kind of just completely said, fuck it. I'm not going to really invest in pitching. And I'm going to see how it works. We've got these extra slots. Let's see if hitting can actually carry a team. And maybe – Maybe it's a bad sample size. Like, maybe I just took the wrong hitters. Um, and maybe if I had, like, you know, as good of a draft last year in terms of pitching as I did this year with hitting, I would have had a different, you know, opinion on it. I mean, but I don't know. I think you also look at your players on your team, and the hitters you did draft are averaging, what, one, one and a half points per game? A lot of them, yeah. Like, and- Semyon is, is not doing well, Turner's not doing well. JD and Devers are all under porn, and McNeil. So that's five guys who I spent a good amount on. Burgers and fries. And doesn't that doesn't that go to your point that there's you know so much risk with drafting pitching? There's also a lot of risk with drafting hitting. There is, and I do think that it has to do something with this year, with certain hitters. I think the hitting performances this year is much more variable than previous years, just because of the lack of spring training, the lack of summer camp. But even with all that your hitting is third in the league. So even if those players were, you know, doing not exactly what they did last year, but even slightly worse and not just shitting the bed, you would have the best hitting in the league right now. I guess. But at the same time, I got pretty lucky with some of these guys. Like Mike Yastrzemski is probably one of the best. I don't know if he is or not, but he's got 90 points. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. And that's and in a way, who's carrying your team right now in that respect overall? Guys who were who were I mean, yeah, like I'm just, like Jaremski and the boys and the waiver wire boys, you know, in most leagues, like and David Fletcher. All right, so <laughs> I forgot <laughs> you drafted him before Charlie Martin. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important at the end of the day to have both, but I I just think that the narrative has gone has pushed so far towards. You need pitching because everyone looks at who's winning at the end of the year. And I think you, last year, and I wrote an article about this if anyone wants to go check it out, are the exception to the rule, not the rule. Because you did draft heavy pitching, and those pitchers all stayed healthy throughout the entire year. 
and those pitchers all performed up to their expectations throughout the entire year. But for the most part, you need a balance between both of those. I don't think it's right to go heavy either direction. That's why I just push back against the narrative that you need top pitching to win because at the end of the year, we look back and say the best teams had the best pitching. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the best teams always invested the most in pitching because where is Walker Bueller this year? Where is Max Scherzer this year? Like there was a clear top five starting pitchers this year. I know we could probably say the same for hitters as well. The top five was, in any order you want to say it, Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander, and Bueller. DeGrom's dealing with some sort of injury. Yeah, he's still good when he pitches, but he got scratched from the start tonight. Verlander's already out for the year. Scherzer's been scratched from starts. Bueller started the year slow. Cole's the only one that's been healthy, and he's pitching pretty well. He's one of the top five pitchers in the league in terms of points, but it's definitely not what you would have hoped for for spending the most amount of money on a pitcher yeah. so far. He hasn't had that dominance yet. So it's just those are the top five pitchers in the year by consensus. But those aren't going to be the top five pitchers when we look back at the end of the year and say these are the people who got the most points. I think that just reinforces even more that you should just do as much research. Well, do as much research about everything, but research some like solid pitchers for the middle and just don't don't stress too much about I mean you can still go pitching you know in the beginning and do whatever you want and it can work out for sure and I think that's your point that any kind of scenario can end up working out in the end but um it's how you manage throughout the season but just secure some some pretty strong you know like middle guys like search search for guys that you in like the B tier that you would feel super and even C tier that you just feel super comfortable with because you can go through all that stress and 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 it just leads to more heartache in the beginning, based on what you just said about the top five guys that we I were, you know, kind of unanimously, I would think, in agreement on, you know. Because you could either get just a tragedy, or you get, like, Cole, where he's still really good, but you're like, God damn, he's pitching as well as, like, some guy that, like, was, you know, spent, that someone spent, like, ten bucks on. Or maybe not ten bucks, but, you know, you get my point. It's just so easy at the end of the year to look back and be like, oh, of course we should have all went $11 on Denilson Lamette. If that's what the narrative ends up being, yeah. I mean, yeah. every season there are sites that love every player and hate every player, and you can always make an argument. Like, I think it's very interesting if you look at like the, a big debate this year was like Bieber versus Clevenger, and a lot of the sites had Clevenger higher mm-hmm. until he got hurt, and then it was like easy to you know mm-hmm. to, to end that debate. It was like, oh, okay, well, Clev got hurt. But had Clev not gotten hurt, I think Clev probably goes ahead of Bieber. And a lot of people were saying that Bieber's year last year wasn't legit for whatever reason. Other people were saying, oh, his FIP was legit. Like, he's probably legit. But, you know, you're never going to know. But that all being said, it does still seem to me, like, if I had to do things over again, I'd rather probably throw my darts at pitchers. And I'm not sure if I'm just being biased and narrow-minded. But I'm curious. I'm curious, like... I don't know how other people view it too in the league, because like based on the draft strategy, it seems like they agree, and I feel like everybody agreeing like there's got to be a reason why, and maybe it's just that that it's it's the ease, the leisure of having a season where it does work, and maybe that is the payoff, where it's better to invest in pitching because if it does work, you have the easiest, nicest season ever, and if it doesn't work, you you're gonna have to scramble, but you would have had to scramble anyway if you 
you know, didn't go for it. I think there used to be an arbitrage opportunity, right? Like I think back five, six, seven years ago, when yours truly invented the pitching strategy, there used to be an opportunity where people were going 11 hitters in the first round, and then it'd be like just Kershaw. And then the second round, it would be just Felix Hernandez. Right, right. And I started, look, I'll, I'll say it. I have no problem. I patented the strategy of going three starting pitchers in the first three rounds. I remember. And uh, it worked out. And I think that there used to be an opportunity for that because I still do think that top-tier starting pitching, uh, and, and it does vary year by year where that tier cuts off, I do think that it is in a points-above-replacement better than most of the hitters' value that you're going to get. I don't think that it works for Trout, and I think there are other exceptions as well who I would take above some of the starting pitchers. Um, but it's just gone from that to now, okay, just draft as many pitchers as early as possible. And I don't I don't think that's a winning strategy. But that's that's just me. And like everyone manages their own team the way that they want, but I'm gonna I'm gonna zig when everyone else zags. I agree that it's not like when you have the whole league taking a pitcher in the first round, instantly you're going to have some of those le- uh, those teams just like not be contenders based on like an injury or them just taking a guy who busts. And there's less of a likelihood if they take a hitter, a top-tier hitter most of the time. But at the same time, if you do see 11 other teams taking a pitcher, are you an idiot for not taking a pitcher too? Like let's say, let's say we're in a snake draft. You're, you got picked 12. The first 11 take pitchers, you're right that you shouldn't just follow and you should capitalize on value, but you probably get screwed over if you go hitter-hitter there. So there is there is some influence from how other people manage in terms of what the right decision is. And I don't know I don't know the, the cutoff and, and you know when to make that call. But like if you, let's say you go hitter-hitter there, and then just for the examples Right, like if everybody else for every other pick before your next pick takes a pitcher still, which would never happen. But imagine that. Now you're really fucked. I mean, are you though? Because uh, like, if you if you take the twelfth best starting pitcher, let's say there's a consensus, everyone agrees in terms of this is the order of pitchers. You take the twelfth best starting pitcher, you're already starring yourself off at a loss. And I think that's a crucial point: is that you don't know that the twelfth guy off the board is going to be. The twelfth guy, the yeah, like he could still be the the top five guy. But then, why and can't the fortieth guy be a top five guy? He can, he can, he can. It's just that there's like every every tier you go down, the percentage goes down of the likelihood it's going to happen. Like it could have yeah. been that Chris Bassett broke the fuck out this year, like had a monster year, and like some guys like Dylan Bundy have shown that they did that. Savali has been doing that to a, a lesser extent. So, yeah, it can happen. Right. It's just still the case that the, the more, the deeper you go in the draft, the smaller that target for your dart gets. But, yeah. So. I would argue it's likely the same for hitters as well. We're in small sample size territory right now, I think, for pitching and hitting. I mean, we're three weeks into what would normally be a 26-week marathon. But, look, I, I get it. I just don't think the answer is always as simple as everyone tries to make it out to be. No, I don't think I don't think it's simple. I'm just really genuinely curious to know, like, and I, there won't ever be an answer, but I just like talking about it because it's like an age-old debate. It's never going to go away. And, like, 
I do think in the example I just said, where if the first 11 go pitcher, you go hitter, hitter, and then the next, however many, what is that, 22 picks are all pitchers, mm-hmm. like, I do think you kind of get screwed there. And it could be that you, you nail it and, like, you you draft two guys who were ranked in the, like, I don't know, SP 40 or 50 range, and they break out and you're killing it. But the likelihood of that happening is a lot slimmer. And the likelihood of a team getting two top-tier pitchers that they just spent, you know, a high-priority pick on, probably one or two teams are going to end up with, like, a, a really good staff out of that scenario. And it's just going to be annoying for you to compete with them. Not impossible, but it's going to be a pain in the ass. And way more work. Just because you take a starter doesn't mean that... I mean, you're buying yourself a lottery ticket in that case. Like, you're you're hoping you got the golden ticket of the guy who didn't get hurt and the guy who pops in performance. That's kind of what it feels like, a little bit. That is kind of what it does seem like. Yeah. Like, a Denilson Lamed, like, a lot of people liked him, a lot of people didn't. He hasn't been walking anybody. Like, something like that comes out of nowhere. So a Denilson Lamed, in that, in that sense, kind of is a lottery ticket. Yeah. But Shane Bieber last year was totally a lottery ticket. Like, I liked him a lot. I did not think he was going to be the SP4. Yeah. Nobody did. But that pick, in my, that pick was a better pick than Trevor Bauer in round two. That pick was more important right. to your success than taking Trevor Bauer in round two. I mean, that's a weird example again, though, because Bauer was still pretty good. Bauer still like a top 20 good. pitcher. So it's like me, me blowing it in round two. The floor there was still a way better scenario. Like, if Giolito does does like mediocre this year, but it still ends up being a top thirty guy, it's probably better to take him than it is to take, I don't know, Devers, Trey Turner. Like, and these are guys that I took, or JD Martinez. It's probably probably just better. I mean, yes, because we're, it's going to be harder to find the top twenty nine other pitchers, especially considering most of those guys are going to be you know high ranked guys. And so I feel like most years, and, and this would be something to look into, but like I feel like most years there's probably more new hitters towards towards the top area. We'd have to break out because top 30 pitchers is going to be different than the, the range of hitters that would be, you know, similar. But I feel like you're going to find new new faces on the hitting the hitting line more. See, I, I think it's likely the opposite, to be honest. I think, I think you find new guys meaning new guys who just entered the league but i think it's very rare you're going to find like a breakout from someone who's been around a while like i don't see the hitting equivalent to a dylan bundy like a guy who's been around and who struggled and now all of a sudden is popping off kyle seager i'm looking at frankie's team right now he's been good before though like he was good he got hurt and now he's back for mediocre back in the day he was like he was, he was like a six out of ten. It's just, I mean, and and it's tough, right? And I kind of feel like I'm I'm talking at this from my ivory tower because like I historically have drafted a pitcher in the first round, but like last year, if we look at the example, and I took Justin Verlander in the first round, it was followed up by Lewis taking Garrett Cole. I firmly felt that Verlander was part of the top tier. I felt like he was as good as Scherzer. Kershaw, whoever you were saying were the top pitchers last year, and like include Kluber in that list as well because he went third overall. Like I thought Verlander belonged in that grouping, which is why I took him. I thought he was a top tier starting pitcher. Like it ended up working out for me. And yes, my lottery ticket that I felt good about ended up working out. And the same thing happened to you with Cole. But 
if I didn't feel good about Verlander, I wouldn't just have taken a starring pitcher for the take sake of taking a starring pitcher. I think you have to take one that you feel good about and you feel like can jump into that grouping. But if there's not one there, you can't force the issue. Like th if that was the case, then give me give me Mookie Betts, give me the high floor hitter, and I'll come around the next turn and take a starting pitcher who I feel good about the value that I'm getting in that round. Like I think th right. there needs to be a balance and a place for both of those to exist. That's how I feel. I drafted last year, like with the with the hitting and and, and my and with um just. You know, the guys who ended up panning out, and then just, like, with the pitching, I think I literally forced, not literally, but I think I forced the issue, like, with, with, with a lot of my picks last year, like, picking, like, Yusei Kikuchi, even if I didn't feel good about him, just because I was like, oh, it's time to get a pitcher just based on how I'm seeing other things going. And also me just having the guys that I felt really good about get taken, like, a pick or two, usually before mine or around there, and being, like, Oh, there goes the actual person that I was, you know, feeling confident about. Now I could maybe I could just replace him with just whoever I can think about next in this, you know, like uh, tier based on the rankings. But That's I, what I tried to do and didn't work out. I think that there's a distinction to make between overdrafting a guy. I don't remember where you took Akuchi, but I do think you took him like a good fifty spots higher than he was projected to go at least. Um, so I think there's a difference between overdrafting a guy like that and rationalizing to yourself that Charlie yeah. Morton is worth pick 12 this year. You know? Because like, there's always going to be a top certain amount of pitchers. And at a certain point, anybody can rationalize that this guy has a lot going for him, right? Because everybody's always got good write-ups and bad write-ups. Yeah, so Jack Flaherty, yeah, this guy, he's, he could be really good. Yeah, he might suck. Maybe he's, like, overrated. But, yeah, he could also be amazing. Maybe he's not overrated. And you taking Jack Flaherty in the first round or Morton in the first round is different from taking Kikuchi in, like, the fifth or the sixth round where you're taking a guy that could go in, like, the 15th and you're reaching that far. And Maybe I just had a list of pitchers and I just had one for every level just so confident that my draft was going to go this way. So then... If I lost the number five guy, instead of thinking of an equivalent number five guy who was still out there, I just looked down on my list and said, who's number seven? Let me get seven now, since five is gone. And let me get him before someone else. Uh. Yeah, I feel like that's, you know, when you have people on the watch list, that's like what happens. It's really interesting looking at Frankie's draft last year because he, you ended up really alternating between hitter and pitcher every single round. And a lot of your hitter picks, at least in the beginning, the very beginning, were yeah. spot on. And you really came in third in spite of the pitchers you drafted, right? So your draft went Alex Bregman in round one, Blake Snell in round two, Acuna in round three, Severino in round four, Whit Merrifield in round five, Yu Darvish in six, who, while, yes, he was very, very good at the end, he sucked in the first half of the year. Yeah. He was more a burden than the first. And then Mitch Hanniger and Yusei Kikuchi, who both were pretty much washouts for most of the year. And then yeah. Jose Abreu, followed by Ross Stripling. So those were your first ten rounds. So you had five hitters, you had five pitchers. I mean, your hitters, for the most part, panned out and exceeded expectations. It, it was your pitchers that ended up, and, and it's so hard to pick the right ones. Like, you just happen to, to get the wrong lottery ticket numbers. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I definitely don't think that there's a clear answer either way. And I'm not, I'm, I know I sound like I'm super strongly saying one thing, but I don't know. I'm just always very curious about, you know, why it seems like pitching dominates. But you are right that, like, you need both. And if you just nail pitching, it's not enough. I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's in my experience, easier to find hitters. Yeah, I, I think it's tough. I think it's really tough. And there isn't a right answer. It's always fun to talk about, though. I always have a good time analyzing hit the pitcher. Curious what everyone else thinks. Inconclusive ending. <laughs> Ambiguous. Yeah, I, I do want people to uh, comment about this with their yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I mean, if people are listening, like, definitely share thoughts and, like, tell us why, because I would love to hear it. Record yourself saying this, splice it in with our episodes of podcast. You're, you're on the toilet and you're looking at the Scots one ply and you're thinking about how bad it's going to feel. Take well, out sir. your, your well, iPhone. Just, just you like go. I wipe. Just like how I wipe. Yes, <laughs> sir. <laughs> So we gonna play Fall Guys? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been playing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last words on the episode? I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, this was fun. Um, sorry, we didn't really talk about your teams, except fuck you, Daniel. Um, other than that, you know, it's a fun debate. And if anybody has ideas, about, we gave we gave Ben, I think, the love he deserves this episode. True. True. We, I think, that's a special thing. Big true. Guess who woke up? Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, he's making his way over. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know if we can do four guys, four guys on one couch. It's a bit much. Too many guys. Too many. Too many cooks. I look My forward to hearing uh, the episode and everybody's thoughts on uh, how well I'm doing, so I appreciate that. You didn't hear the whole thing. Frankie was talking <laughs> shit. Room. Frankie was saying that he passed you in the middle of the episode this week. Oh. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the here's the only thing I'll say just to just to wrap up the episode. Last week, we talked about how you know the top five teams look like the top five teams. I was like very much on the fence. You know, is that really going to be true? Week two, five for five. Top five teams from week one with the top five teams from week two. Looks like there's some truth in that, and everybody else needs to step their game up. So that's the only thing I'm going to say. I'm in, like, third place this week. <laughs> but that's the thing. They stepped their game up, and now it's flipped. <laughs> and now you, Jose Tres Leches is in 11th this week. <laughs> yeah, get fucked. Um, when I was in 10th, and I'm in 11th. <laughs> I, I have six starting pitchers tomorrow. We'll see where I am after that. Ooh. Sounds like a threat. And I got Bieber and Turnbull. Yes. <laughs> And Daniel probably has eight starting pitchers, so yeah, it's gonna be the same top five teams this week. Imagine, imagine. All right, all right, bye guys, get them safe. All right, time to do some fall guys. All Again, right. that's fall guys free on BS Plus Ultimate Knockout. Fall guys. Or you could pay twenty dollars to play with it on Steam with Lewis. Fuck yeah! <laughs> when he wins, boys, your boys got twenty. That's huge. How many wins on PS4? That's huge. How many wins on PS4? That's more than I'll ever get in fantasy baseball. (laughs)
That's more than anyone wants to get. No, honestly, that's a good, that's a good bet. We're gonna be playing when we're like eight. So. The funny part. The funny part is that. The funny part about that is that I both pictured that that world, and then I also just laughed to myself because I'm like, that's totally gonna be happen. Like, I'm not arguing that. Yeah. By that time, the podcast will be like fucking virtual home reality. Like the last season in your living room. No, we're not going to adapt with the times, though. We're going to be like the last podcast. <laughs> Apple has to keep the services up just to keep our podcast alive. It's on live support, just like us. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was good. That was good. You snuck that in at the end. I like it. All right. Well, take it easy, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.